You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church at church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. Right now, we have a lot of firsts happening. I mean, first time doing this, first time doing that. And today is actually the first time we're recording a sermon in the building since we purchased the building and closed on the, on the sale. And I hope you aren't missing these first. Had a great open house last weekend. We've got a lot of stuff coming up. So make sure you're hanging around to the very end of this service to hear all the great stuff coming up, first things that are happening coming up in the next few weeks. And today we're talking about how we can do more together. We can accomplish more when we do it together. There's great power in unity. Now, we know that God blesses obedience, right? But you might not realize that God also blesses unity. And so when you have obedience and unity, when you've got a team working together and they're being obedient to God, it's like everything is exponentially increased as far as the blessings and the awesome things that that God wants to do. A lot of examples. Here's a couple from the Bible, like Gideon. You may know the story of Gideon, but he basically took 300 men and they defeated armies, not just one army, but they defeated armies together. And it wasn't what they did. It wasn't the weapons that they had. It wasn't that they had a lot of men because there were only 300 of them, right? But the reason that they were successful, the reason God gave them victory is because they were obedient and they were unified in that obedience. And so, so God was able to bless them abundantly because the victory that God wanted to give them, the miracle that he wanted to give them was not hindered by their disobedience and it wasn't hindered by their selfishness because they were acting in obedience and unity together so God could do amazing things through them. Same thing with Joshua. When they came against Jericho, they had to march around the city for six days without uttering a word. Now think about that. Every one of them, that was being obedient, but also being in unity. All of them had to do that. Not one of them could speak. Just imagine yourself having to to stay quiet that long, but all of them had to do that. And God gave them the victory for that. Or like Nehemiah, centuries later, when uh, Jerusalem had been destroyed. Nehemiah carried a bunch of people back with him and they started rebuilding the walls to the city. And the Bible tells us that the wall of the city was completely joined together because the people had a mind to work. All of them had a mind to work. They were all together. So much can be done and accomplished when we work in unity. God blesses unity. This week, I was also looking for some examples in our world today of, of teamwork, of, of unity. And I ran across this video of a Formula One racing pit crew, 21 guys, I mean, you can count them, standing around waiting for the car to pull up and how quickly they change all four tires. Now, how long would it take you to change a tire? Think about that. Get the jack out. You got to jack it up. You take one tire off, all the lug nuts, put the other one on, put the lug nuts back on, let the jack down, go do another one. I mean, how long does it take you to do that? Maybe three or four minutes at least for each tire. What, 15 minutes, maybe 20 to do all four tires? These guys do it. I mean, 
watch the video and you see these guys do it in literally less than three seconds. The car is sitting still for less than three seconds. Again, it's the power of unity. There is great power in unity. And we accomplish so much when we're working together in unity. But alas, right? We live in a time of individuality. We don't need anybody else. I don't need you to tell me how to live my life. I don't need you to help me. With, I'll figure it out. I'm my own man. I know how to do things, right? We don't need anybody. Individualism is a big deal these days. And because of that, we get more and more into a consumer-driven society. Think about this. You and I, we don't utilize time anymore. We consume time. Just think about how much time you had this week. And what did you do with it? Did you really utilize it or did you just consume the time? I think we're just consuming more and more and more. And spectatorship, spectatorship is like at an all time high. Think about it. We have an entire cable TV channel called tra the Travel Channel where people can watch it all day long and never leave their house. I mean, you can just spectate travel. You don't actually have to do it or cooking shows. I mean, you can watch cooking shows for hours and hours and hours and never even go into a kitchen. And I'm just not into that. I'm not interested in cooking shows whatsoever. I don't wanna see you cook. I want to partake of what it is that you're cooking. I mean, to watch a cooking show to me would be kind of like going to sticks, you know, and, and sitting there while the guy, you know, does his thing with the knives and, you know, and then he does the, the onion choo-choo train, you know, that, and then saying, okay, good, thanks for the show. And you get up and walk out. Nope. I want to catch a shrimp in my mouth. I want some of that fried rice hot right off that griddle and what, whatever meat that I ordered that, that day. I want to partake of it, but that's not what we're doing. And it's moving into our church life as well. It's moving into our worship as well, that we're becoming more spectators than actually being involved, participants in the worship. Pastor Casey Cockerham said this about spectatorship. We have come to believe we are part of something just by watching it happen. Think about that. It's like we're gaining identity or at least claiming identity based on things we're watching. I mean, back when I was a teenager, you know, it was Trekkies and Deadheads and maybe even Cheeseheads, right? And now today we got Beliebers and Swifties and Dunderheads and Potterheads. And think about all of those things that we use to claim some identity in our life. And we're claiming identity not by the things that we do or the things that we participate in, but by the things we just watch. The Bible doesn't encourage us to be spectators. The Bible doesn't encourage us to watch. The Bible is all about us being involved in people's lives, being involved in connecting with one another, being involved even in ministry. Let me show you in Ephesians chapter four. Now this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus and that's why it's called Ephesians. And in verse seven and eight, he says this, however, he has given each one, each one, see that, each one of us. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. 
So who has gifts? Pastors, teachers, evangelists? No, he said each one, not just the pastors. I'm not the only one that God is gifted with something to do. We fully believe it at 2911 that everyone has something awesome to do for Jesus. And that verse of scripture right there said that each one of us, everyone has something awesome to do. Three verses down in verse 11, he says this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And so you see that and you say, but I'm not a pastor, but I'm not an evangelist. Exactly. He said, those are the gifts that are to the church. My gift is being a pastor is a gift to the church. The way Jesus uses me and my giftings as a pastor is as a gift to the church. But you say you're not a pastor. You say you're not an evangelist. You say you're not a prophet. Exactly. Because verse 7 says each one of us has a gift. God hasn't made you a gift to the church. He's made you a gift to the community. You're like God's gift to the world. All the people that are around you because you also have a gift. Every one of us has gifts. And the Bible doesn't encourage us to spectate. The Bible encourages us to use those gifts to do awesome things. And when we operate in obedience and unity, we accomplish great things because God is not restrained by our disobedience and by our selfishness anymore. Okay, so since the coronavirus, the shutdown, the whatever you call the safer at home, whatever you've chosen to call it, since then, all this has begun, and there's so much good that is happening in the world, and at the same time, so much that we're concerned about. But think about it. Think about food banks, how they have no doubt fed more people during this time than they've ever fed before. Or landlords, stories I'm hearing how landlords are forgiving rent more than they have ever before. Or companies that are delaying payments to help people out and maybe even forgiving some of those payments more than ever before. Families sharing their substance, their, their food and, and other things with others more than ever before. This is happening right now, and because more people are involved, there's like a unity that is going on, and we can do more together. But now that it's, you know, we're out of the pause mode, and we're beginning to move on, that kind of all stops, doesn't it? I mean, you know, landlords aren't going to still, you know, ignore that the rent is late. And, you know, food banks aren't going to have to feed maybe as many people, or maybe they won't feed as many people. But that kind of stops not for the church. You see, for the church, this has always been the way. The church is always serving. The church is always reaching out. The church is always ministering. The church is always involved in benevolence. The church is always involved in, in somehow finding someone that is struggling and helping them. I mean, again, we look back at the history and we see how the church has impacted everything in the world. Hospitals. If you go back to the history of hospitals and, and medical centers, they began by, by being a dream of the church. And many of the hospitals in this country, you can still look back and see that that's where their roots are. Or, or education. 
universities and colleges. Many of them were started as seminaries, schools that were, were started in, in pioneer areas where, where churches said we've got, to, we've got to somehow bring education along with us or orphanages. You know, there's not a lot of corporations out there starting orphanages because orphanages are not a huge source of income. By and large, it's the church, it's Christians, it's religious people with a conviction to take care of those who can't take care of themselves. And food banks, feeding centers, disaster relief. I mean, you know it. When things are falling apart, who's there to pick up the pieces? It's the church. It's Christians that are there, first of all. And I'm not saying that the church is the only one that is there, but by and large, it's the church. The church isn't perfect, but by and large, most of the good that happens in this world is a result of the church and what Christ does through us. And why does this happen? It happens because we have a timeless message that nobody else has. That the God of this universe sent his son to rescue us from ourselves, from our sin. That we have a calling, a calling to, you know, not to just do it because it feels good, but a calling to actually reach and to help those who are struggling. Because we have a challenge. Because we have a challenge like no one has. This challenge that Christ gave us to love others as ourselves even when they don't deserve it. There is no other group of people that has that kind of a challenge, but also because we are one. We are his body. He has brought us all together. And because the efforts that we have in obedience and unity are unfettered, not held back, not restrained anymore because of our lack of obedience or because of our selfishness. And now God is able to pour out his blessing. This is the time I said last week for the church to dream again. And it's time for us to realize if you're involved in a ministry or you were and you've put it on pause, you're falling behind because this world is no longer in pause mode. This world is doing its best trying to figure out how to gear up and get on. And if you're not connected and committed to somehow doing ministry, the ministry that Christ has gifted you with for the people that are around you, you're falling behind. And like I said last week, you're probably going to end up being critical. You're probably going to end up being argumentative. You're probably going to end up being selfish. So get back in the game. Stir up that passion that is inside of you again. Remind yourself of what it is. And remind yourself of what God has called you to do. The people that you see that nobody else sees, the problems that, that you see that nobody else sees, the, the struggles that you see that nobody else sees. Stir yourself up to remember that that is because God has called you. God has called you to do that thing. And remember, he hasn't called you alone, but he's called you to be a part of this great, big, huge, awesome thing called the church. To be committed to the, the mission and the vision of what Christ laid out for us when he left this earth and he sent his disciples out to spread this great news. You and I have it. Let's not lose it. Let's stir it up again today. So would you join me in prayer? 
And if you aren't a Christ follower yet, let me encourage you to embrace the passion that God has already put inside of you and the faith that he's already put there and start this walk with Christ so that you can fulfill what he has put inside of you, this, this dream, this awesome thing that he wants to do through you. Would you pray with us right now? Father, I love you and thank you for the church, not just the local church that I'm a part of, but God, the corporate church, the, the worldwide global church that I'm a part of. And God, the awesome things that you do through us. And because I'm a part of that, God, I get to throw my shoulders back and I get to, I get to be proud of being a part of what every other believer is doing because I'm also part of that. And God, if there's someone watching today and they don't know you, but they're choosing right now to act on that faith, Lord, I pray, wash their sins away and write their name down in your records in heaven. God, and, and begin to show them how you can do these amazing things that you have put in their heart also. So God, stir us again. Remind us again. Help us to commit to one another again and help us to commit to our vision and our passion that you've put inside of us to accomplish the great things that you see we could do in our future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. You can email our prayer team at prayer at church2911.com or text us at 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting church2911.com or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. Thanks for listening to the 2911 Sermons Podcast. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.